question. Do you know what your name means? Do you know what your name means? For example, the name Troy means foot soldier. Foot soldier. Now, I've never worked in the military. I've never been a soldier, but I'm, I'm part of the army of God. I guess that counts. I don't know. Um, Therese, my wife, her name means harvester. She's a harvester. Michaela means who is like God. My daughter, Jessica, her name means rich. Now, I don't know if she feels rich, but her name means rich, and it means, or God beholds. My son, Luke, his name means light-giving. Mark, his name means kind, polite, and warlike, you know, all those things. But there's also different meanings of our names. Did you know that? There's different meanings of our names in different languages, like in Hebrew and Greek and Latin, etc., besides where they originally came from, whether it was from Greek or it's got a French background or an American background or something like that. But as many of you know, not only I hope you know what your name means, but, but I'm also, if you know me really well, I'm a nicknamer. I love to give people nicknames. I'm a nicknamer. I love giving people nicknames because it helps me to associate what their name is and all that kind of stuff. And, and for Mark, his nickname is Skippy. He's known as Skippy in our family. And of course, uh, when, when Jessica was little, her, her nickname was Kiki. I don't know why I called her Kiki. I just, you know, everyone, you, you talk to family, you talk to fa- friends, and everyone's got a nickname for someone. Um, you know, Michaela's nickname is Peanut. I don't know why I nicknamed her Peanut when she was little. Of course, when Luke was little, his nickname was Bubby. And I don't know why we called him Bubby or something like that. And of course, my, the love of my life, my beautiful wife, Therese, she's got all sorts of nicknames, you know, from Captain Cutie to my love to, to Cute B and all sorts of things. And the list goes on and on. And several of you, you've got nicknames. There's Uncle Mo, there's Fancy Nancy, there's all sorts of people that, that you know, uh, Captain Kelly, you know, and all sorts of stuff, you know, that have nicknames that I have nicknames for in this place and so forth. But we've all seen, how many of you have ever seen that thing that says, hello, my name is? You know, you've, you've, maybe you've put them on in a large event that you've gone to, or maybe um, you've been in a gathering where they asked you to put that in, and of course you had to put your name on, on that specific tag. And the reason you put that on your shirt at a large gathering, why do we do those things? Why do we put that on so that people can know who we are? So people understand that when they meet us, they, they may forget our names, but when they look down, they see that tag and they're like, oh, that's Troy. You know, or something like that. And, and, and it doesn't help. We don't forget their names seen on their shirt. It reminds us who they are. And over the next several weeks, we're going to look at several names of God as we look at this person of interest. Now, when it comes to God, did you know that there are more than over, there's more than over 100 names when it comes to God? There's over 100 names for him in the Bible. But if God came up to you today, if God came up to you today and he had a hello, my name is, I think what you would notice that he wrote down on there is Elohim. It's Elohim. You might say, why are we starting off with Elohim? Well, first of all, if you're taking notes this morning, Elohim means supreme. It means the supreme God, the strong one. Everyone say that with me out loud. Supreme God, strong one. One, two, three. Supreme God, strong one. It reveals the uniqueness of who God is. He is the all-powerful creator. Now, Elohim is mentioned 2,570 times in Scripture. Over and over and over, God's word shows us and reminds us how powerful God is and how mighty God is. And and this almighty, powerful God wants to have a relationship with us. That's what he desires. And the more we get to know God on a personal level, what happens is the more we discover about him and his power and how he wants us to experience that power in our own lives. Now, Genesis 1.1 says this. It says, in the beginning, God, in other words, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. I want you to understand something, church, this morning. It is Elohim who initiated creation. It is not a big bang. 
It is not an explosion. It is not a theory. It's not something that evolved over time that just came together. It was Elohim, the all-powerful creator. He created the heavens and the earth. He created the light and the darkness. He created the seasons, the days, and the years. He filled the earth with landmass. He created the seas and and trees that bore fruit and seed-bearing plants. He's the one that created the sun, the moon, and the stars, the universe, and the galaxies. He's the one who created the living creatures both on the land like livestock, animals that scurried on the ground, all sorts of small animals, the wild animals, and the sea creatures, and the birds. And he made every single one of those to be able to multiply. And he created man and woman in his image. You see, the all-powerful creator was not subject to time. The all-powerful creator was not subject to limitations. He can never be denied. He can never be compared to. He can never be equal with or disqualified. That's why God said in the book of Isaiah 40, 25, To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. I love that scripture. Compared to God, the people of this world, no matter how wealthy they are or how politically strong they are in power, the Bible says in Isaiah 40, 22, they are like grasshoppers. They can't compare. Now, this person of interest called Elohim in the Hebrew language is the plural of the, the singular word for, the, for God, the word El. El. And the name Elohim signifies the plurality of persons within this all-powerful creator God. You see, Elohim created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1-1. But if you read on in Genesis 1-2, the Spirit of God is mentioned as well. And then if you look at John 2, 1 through 3, it says he said that all things came into being through him. And what it's referring to when it comes to the word ordering creation, it was Christ who was with God from the very beginning. And even the Apostle Paul writes in his letter to the Colossians, in Colossians 1, 16, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth. All things have been created through him and for him. And so what the plural name Elohim reveals to us is is this triune definition of, of God as the one God existing in three persons. The Father, the Son, and this Holy Spirit. And the root of the personhood of God is being who eternally existed in relationship and in community. You see, friends, and the crowning achievement is of, of his creation. The crowning achievement of God's creation and the mirror image of his own identity was us. The Bible says in Genesis 1.27 that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And so this morning, we, un- we understand that this, this supreme God, this strong and unique one, this all-powerful creator, not only does he love us personally, but he wants us close by his side. And God doesn't come and go. I want you to understand something. God does not come and go, but he reigns and lasts forever. He gives strength to the weary. He gives hope to the hopeless. He restores us. He re-energizes us. He empowers us to face everything that we deal with in this thing called life, to go forward in his name. And his love will never, ever let us go. Now, secondly, Elohim reminds us that no matter how huge Elohim reminds us that no matter how tall or thick the obstacle wall seems, he can still knock it down. He can still knock it down. There is something that happens when we call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says that when we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. 
There's something that happens when we call upon the name of the Lord, whether in good times or in troubling times. Now, last week I told you that God said that it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for someone to be alone. And that, that's just not the, the horizontal relationship between one another. But there's this vertical relationship that God wants us to have with him forevermore. That's why Jesus came from heaven to earth. That's why last week we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Even though he died, we know he rose again. And what happened was when Jesus came on this earth and he died and he rose from the grave, he became a bridge builder. He became a bridge builder because there was a gap caused by our sins and having a real relationship with God. But when Jesus, what Jesus did, what he did for all of us, it changed everything in that moment. God knew from the beginning of time, listen to me, friends, that we were not designed to live this life using our own strength. You can't make it on your own strength. I can't make it on my own strength. We were designed to need his strength more than our strength. If you notice, it says in Isaiah 41.10, it says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you up with my victorious right hand. See, Elohim reminds us that God is able. Just say that right now under your lips. God is able. God is able. Since he created us, therefore, he will see us through. Since he created us, he will comfort us. Since he created us, he'll strengthen us. He will sustain us. He will assist us. He will give us the victory because no matter how huge, no matter how tall, no matter how thick the obstacle wall seems in your life now or down the road, he can still knock it down. Amen? I'm so thankful for that. Third, when you're scared, when you're suffering, when you're overwhelmed, when you're exhausted, when you're anxious, remember you have Elohim on your side. You have Elohim on your side. I think some of you, you forget whose, whose side you're on. You forget whose team you're on. You forget who, who this mighty God is, this all-powerful creator is. We love it when people notice our strengths. Have you ever noticed that? that we, we, we love it when people know what our strengths are or, or they observe it and they see it. But, but usually we get very embarrassed by our weaknesses. We're very, we're very uh, embarrassed when, when we're scared or we're going through suffering or we're overwhelmed or we're exhausted or we're anxious about something that we're dealing with. And while we don't like people to know what our limits are, the Apostle Paul does the exact opposite. He, he becomes very vulnerable about what he's dealing with. And prior to 2 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10 that we're going to read in just a moment, Earlier in that same passage in verses 1 through 7, notice what Paul experienced. If you, if you go to 2 Corinthians 12, the first seven verses, he experienced visions. He experienced the revelation of, from, uh, revelations from God. He, he, um, he heard in, inexpressible things that human beings are not even permitted to tell. And he had surpassing great revelations in those first seven verses. Yet what you'll notice, Paul didn't brag about what he saw. He didn't boast on what, on what he experienced or, or what he had first-hand knowledge on. Instead, he told people, he didn't tell people about his strengths, but rather what he did is he bragged about his weaknesses. You see, Paul had thorns in his life. Have you ever been pricked by a rose or a thorn or something like that? Well, well Paul was dealing with these things called the thorns of, in the flesh. He was dealing with some things in his life that, that simply were issues, Maybe there were struggles. Maybe there were things that were bothering him from his hardships. And, and three times Paul asked God to take those thorns, take those issues, take those circumstances, take those struggles away from him. 
But listen to what God said to his request to remove those thorns of flesh in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. It says this, each time he said, think about it, three times, and each time God said, my grace is all you need. Lord, remove this, this circumstance. Take this person away from me. Lord, get me out of this mess. Do this, do this. He was, all the time he was complaining or he was saying, God, remove this from my life. Each time God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weaknesses. So he goes on and says, Paul says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and in the hardships and in the persecutions and in the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, he is strong. Elohim. The supreme one, the strong one, the all-powerful God. Elohim reminds us that our dependence should not be based on how we feel in the moment about God. What, what Elohim reminds us that our dependence should not be based on what we're going through that determines our faith in who he is. But rather it is in those hard times. It's in those weak times. It's on those struggle bus times that his power is made perfect in our struggles. Amen. When you're going through limitations, when you're going through opposition, when you're going through bad breaks, when you're going through accidents, when you're going through trials, just let Elohim take over. Because the weaker you get, the weaker I get, the weaker we get, spiritually speaking, the stronger we become. Because Elohim reminds us that his grace is sufficient because we realize that our difficulties, our hardships, our times of being persecuted are making us stronger. They're not making us weaker. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of this gentleman, but his name is Nick Vujicic. Maybe you've heard of Nick Vujicic before or not. But he was born without arms or legs. Yet he can write. He's been a New York Times bestseller author. And many times as a child, he prayed for arms and legs. As a matter of fact, there was times where he, he said, God, if you'll just give me one arm, if you'll just give me one leg, I'd be happy. But Nick faced tremendous obstacles in his life ever since he was born. He, he lived without limbs to being bullied at school. He was fearful for his future because he saw no purpose in sight because he had no legs, he had no arms, he had no limbs or anything like that. So without hope, his feelings of helplessness and isolation, he, he tried to take his life. He attempted suicide. But God did not answer his prayer in the way that he had hoped for. Yet he writes in one of his books and he says, and I quote, he said, God used me to reach people in countless schools, in churches, in prisons, in orphanages, in hospitals, in stadiums, and meeting halls. Even better, I've hugged thousands of people in face-to-face -face encounters that allow me to tell them how very precious they are. God, Elohim, the creator, took my unusual body and invested me with the ability to uplift hearts and to encourage spirits. I love that. Nick persevered through life's challenges. Nick persevered through uh, all those things and discovered key principles which enabled him to find his purpose. And that was he turned his obstacles into opportunities. Making the most of his, of his life after that, he's now a sought-off keynote speaker in the world. He's an author, a coach, an entrepreneur. Millions of people have found hope. They found purpose. They found strength to overcome the challenges through Nick's inspirational speeches and powerful coaching. 
Nick is is an anti-bully advocate who travels the globe, speaking to millions of students around the world in partnership with educational departments of several governments. He's created a curriculum called Attitude is Altitude, wherein he teaches young people and students to make positive changes in their lives and in their communities. He's married. He has four children, that beautiful children. And Nick's passion is to inspire and equip the world to know that we can rise above adversity, that we can rise above anything that we overcome. We can overcome every disability in our heart and our mind. And when Nick felt scared, and when Nick felt suffering, and when he felt overwhelmed, and when he experienced exhaustion, and he was anxious, and he even tried to take his life, somehow something happened in his spirit that he remembered through it all, Elohim. He remembered who was with him. He remembered whose side he was on. And I don't know what you're struggling with this morning. I don't know what you're going through today. But I want you to understand this, that the name Elohim should remind you to never doubt his power. The name Elohim should never cause you to doubt his strength or his might. And those attributes that that he is are still available for you and I today. Amen? I love that. All we have to do is accept who he is. The question is, is what area of your life do you need that life-sustaining power that can only come from Elohim? What do you need? Hebrews eleven three says this, By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. Did you hear what I said? By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to think about this for a moment this morning. Elohim simply spoke the word and creation came into existence. With just a word, everyone say word. With just a word, mountains were developed. Animals appeared. Think about this. Galaxies were formed. Now, humanity makes things from things already in existence. Have you noticed that? We make things out of things that are already in existence. But God made everything from nothing. Elohim. Think about that this morning, friends. He made it out of nothing. Elohim created a fully formed, self-perpetuating universe as a testament to his creative might. There will be times in your life where things may not make sense in your mind to what, is God in do, to what God is doing in your life and in your circumstance. And you might even say to him, why am I going through this? Why am I going through this suffering or whatever it may be? And even like Mary, when she was told she was going to give birth to a child as a virgin, she said, how can this be? This doesn't make any sense. But I want you to remember today the uniqueness of our God, the awesomeness of our God, the creator, the power of Elohim. When Luke 137 reminds us that whatever God has spoken over you, the scripture says this, for no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail, according to Luke 137. Perhaps, let me ask you this morning, friends, perhaps God has spoken something to you. Perhaps God has impressed something in your spirit about your children, or about your grandchildren, or about our state, or about our nation, or about your place of employment, or where you live, or where you go to church. Nothing compares to the promises that we have in Elohim today. Hold on to those promises. Hold on to those promises that God has put in your spirit, because his word will not come back void. It won't. It won't come back. Amen, church? And as you leave today, here's one thing I want you to walk away from. I want you to understand this morning, stop looking at the bigness of your difficult circumstance. 
So don't look at the bigness of your difficult circumstance, but rather remember the greatness of Elohim.